welcome to Confessions of an Eco-Warrior in Lockdown, the podcast that explores the possibilities, challenges and contradictions of attempting to reduce our impact on the planet. Okay, so welcome to our Earth Day lockdown special. Uh, This is a mini episode where Mac and I are actually on the phone to each other. We've got WhatsApp video going, we've got headphones in, we are maintaining social distance and we're really hoping that this works to bring you some information on Earth Day and how we're getting along in uh, COVID lockdown times. So yeah, Mac, how, how are you managing lockdown at the moment? I mean, I do feel incredibly grateful most of the time i feel incredibly fortunate in many many ways i'm so glad that i live with my partner and i'm not alone through this um i'm working i have food we're in good health yeah i just i'm doing okay really my legs ache because i've created a standing desk for work but (laughs) other than that no all good all good good posture how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, I am a very social person, so the first couple of weeks were really hard. I am very grateful to be at home with my husband, but also his social interaction does not make up the, I don't know, 10 or 20 sort of people I would usually be socialising with on a weekly basis. So I found <laughs> that really hard. And yes, I've been kind of one of those like really kind of on it, productive people that you probably hate to see on Instagram. I've been trying to exercise, reteaching myself the piano, obviously doing this podcast. And yeah, I'm working quite a lot from home. I've been very lucky to work from the safety of home. First, I was feeling a little bit guilty that I wasn't out there working on the front line as I do work in the health sector. Um, But now I'm really valuing, yeah, the safety of working from home. It hadn't occurred to me that as the most productive and busy and up, like what's the phrase fingers in all pies type person you were of course going to make the best of this scenario <laughs> that's hilarious but it sounds like you've been pretty productive too yeah i mean i was describing to some friends i don't know who will it's just quite a cultural reference for the uk and people my age but back in i don't know the 90s in coronation street like the soap opera deidre rashid went to jail and the whole of the uk <laughs> kicked off and couldn't and there was like free deidre campaigns i just remember it well because it was there so... were t-shirts and everything <laughs> yeah. right it was almost as good as when the uk kicked off that whisper the chocolate bar was ca- <laughs> like cancelled or whatever I feel like those t-shirts need to come back out. Like maybe Topshop needs to sell them or something like that. (laughs) Free Deirdre. But yeah, I remember as a teenager or a child watching that and thinking to myself, if I were Deirdre, I'd just make the best of this situation. Like, you know, learn some new stuff in jail. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Mac would be the Shawshank Redemption in jail, but without all the horrible stuff. Sorry, that was a really weird analogy. (laughs) So that's my take on lockdown really is make the best of it. You know, the slow, I'm quite an introverted person anyway, so I do kind of excel in this situation. But, you know, for everyone, it's still difficult in a number of ways. And I guess like a final thought on that is, I think it was interesting. I think Lady Gaga had made a comment or a post about saying, we're not all in this together, or we're not all in the same boat. And that has come up quite a few times. And that was sort of in response to this sort of song. I think a lot of celebs had done um, Imagine, yeah. And I think some have saw it as quite some people saw it as quite like a cringy sort of display of wealth and comfort, you know, in your summer home with your pool and your your huge garden. Yeah, you're totally right that we're all in this together is completely inaccurate. And even back, you know, before this even really kicked off, the idea that global travel and people who can afford that 
were going to lead to like you know that was going to be a catalyst for this spreading and that working class i hate that term but lower socioeconomic families were going to suffer more as a result like it's just it's really interesting isn't it it's definitely turned things on its head and it does make you think about the world differently definitely okay so should we get into today's topic which is earth day happy earth day 2020 happy earth day I mean, I say that, but I imagine a lot of people don't know what Earth Day is. I think probably the first time I became aware of Earth Day was in 2018. Yeah, from my master's. That's right, yeah. Exactly. I think my understanding of it is that it's a way to, one, celebrate the planet and all of the wonderful things that uh, Mother Earth uh, does for us, um, but also a way to sort of inspire and take action and probably probably to influence lobbying of governments to be able to implement climate change to kind of reduce the impact of climate change on our planet. I love that description. It's definitely a bigger deal than what I ever really knew. I, I've no, I knew more about Earth Hour and about Earth Overshoot Day, but not so much about Earth Day itself. And didn't did you say it's it's a, it's a particularly special year this year? Ah, yeah, that's right. It's actually the 50th anniversary. Mm. So that's that's really mad that actually I've only been aware of it for two years. You're maybe not so aware no. of it. And it's been going for 50 years. And uh, this, this year's sort of theme or pledge is climate action, which isn't surprising given, I guess, a lot of the sort of media coverage with Greta Thunderburg mm. and people like her really taking on this sort of climate activist role. Absolutely, yeah. But maybe you could tell us a bit more about the Earth Overshoot Day an earth hour oh yeah i'm probably going to describe this wrong so earth hour was a few weeks ago while we were in lockdown in the uk and it's on the last saturday in march usually and it's in the evening and it's to get everyone to turn their lights off or turn off as many electrical appliances as possible and sort of draw attention to the 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 energy use that we have on the planet to sort of really reconfigure and and, uh, change your perspective about what we use and how we're using the planet's resources and that's really interesting because now what we're going to just talk what we're going to talk about is the fact that we are taking a look at how many resources we are using on the planet so earth hour probably had a lot more sort of relevance or impact this year than maybe previous years yeah 100 percent. and then earth overshoot day is now let me get this right the day in which they've calculated so a lot of countries and i think maybe i've described this on a previous uh, podcast that we've done use more resources than the natural world can replace so something crazy like the uk uses 32 times more resources than the planet if everybody lived like the uk we would use need 1.5 earths or something crazy none of this is making sense but you get my point yeah exactly uh, you the uk's country earth uh, overshoot day was march 16th or something so by march we'd used too many resources than the within the year than what the planet can sustainably reproduce that could be completely wrong did that make yeah. sense no no that's that's <laughs> that makes sense that's definitely right and i get yeah, some of the articles and things that i was reading so there was a i think this i can't remember if this is from the world economic forum or the un it was one of those articles i'll post links but there was a really good quote saying so humans have unlimited needs but the planet has a limited capacity to satisfy those needs yeah that's perfect i love it Right, let's get into the main topic of today then. We wanted to think about how we could use the coronavirus pandemic, thinking about the context of climate action as Earth Day's theme this year, and what we could take forward when life gets back to 
normal i mean if we can get back to the normal that we had before covid or actually do we even want to go back to where we were the answer is probably no (laughs) yeah that's interesting actually i'm sure i heard on the radio they've done a survey in the uk and there was something crazy like nine percent nine percent of people want to go back to the life that they had exactly as it was before there's something shifting here right something is changing i hope so and i hope it's not just because we're all wrapped up in it now and everyone feels like we're in this sort of weird wartime campaign because of all the language that's been used around that makes it kind of, you know, this is not a battle, this is the war. Yeah. You know, we've got our heroes on the front line. Um, so I'm hoping that, yeah, that rhetoric isn't just kind of temporary, that actually it is trans- a catalyst for, like, transformation. Definitely, and it's meaningful, yeah. So what are some of the positives that you've taken away from it then or read about? or? Okay, well, I think there's been lots of positives um, in the media in general. My favourite one I just would like to add that's not related to the environment, but is Captain Tom doing his 100 laps or whatever it was um, in his garden. Very, very sweet. Amazing. Because <laughs> he's amazing. My God. I've also cried on my doorstep several times clapping for our carers. So uh, anyway. Oh, yeah. Every Thursday, tears. Absolute tears, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I digress. Okay, so in terms of the environment, I think the main positive story is about how air pollution and greenhouse gases have reduced and air quality has improved dramatically. For sure. I mean, I can I live in uh, what's arguably or is, has been reported as the most densely populated area in London and I really feel the air pollution and it is feels dramatically different right now Mm -hmm. what the biggest change for us has been the amount of birds we've seen like so it took six Ah. years for us to see one bird and then in the past three weeks we see birds every day we can hear them now it's oh that's really nice yeah the sound i think that's been quite overwhelming that you can hear nature now because you know you don't have so many cars or buses or trains um or planes traveling but i love the thought that there's children with asthma who are able to breathe easier right now that's got to be a positive right it has to Uh, and this is backed by lots of articles looking at this on a more sort of global scale so it was reported that during the the core lockdown in china their air pollution was down by 25 percent which i guess it's hard to kind of quantify that but when we kind of think about the smoggy cities that we see it kind of when you see china in films or on the news yeah to think that that dropping by 25 percent is huge Also in New York, um, another very densely populated um, city, in March, I think their sort of air pollution figures were half of what they usually would be for that time of year. That is incredible, isn't it? Yeah. And you've also seen like other pictures um, in places like India, where you've been able to see, yeah, see the skyline, see the mountains in the distance that you haven't been able to see for, you know, 30 years. I could be making that figure up. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> um, and also things like uh, so one of my favorites was Venice of how the canals have cleared because they don't have that huge yeah. like tourist footfall I mean that does have economic implications but it looks beautiful there like it's you know blue water is really lovely yeah it's incredible I'm with you but we've also had some fake news which I guess is coming from a good place and it just shows how videos and pictures can go viral without context and lead to I guess misinformation or fake news yeah, I don't really, I'm not sure if it's because I don't have social media, but I feel like I miss a lot of this stuff. So I'm excited <laughs> to hear what's been going around. So one of the ones uh, back to Venice were swans returning to the canals in Venice. That was not true. 
also um, dolphins, Venetian dolphins. That was actually a video taken from one of the bays in Sardinia, um, but it had been portrayed as, yes, the dolphins have returned to Venice. Not true. Oh my, I feel like I did hear that one. Oh my God. Quite possibly. There was also this story on drunken elephants in China that like wandered into um, some tea fields and become kind of drunk on something that they'd ate and um, kind of passed out again. That that wasn't true in the sense that it's common that elephants already kind of travel through lots of kind of these rural villages. It wasn't as a result of, you know, the pandemic and the lockdown. Oh my God. That's funny to know that. Yeah, some very cute pictures. And the last one, I guess, is a little bit more, um, a little bit different. But from an orangutan sanctuary, there was this video from a few, from a while back of um, an orangutan washing um, its hands. Then all of a sudden, this kind of news story came and surrounded it, that it was because it seen, you know, the people looking after it, washing their hands. (laughs) The sanctuary were like, no, that's, that's not a thing. This was from a while ago. Oh my God, that's hilarious. And so all coming from really positive places, um, but actually not, unfortunately, not quite true. Yeah. I mean, it must be positive things for animals right now and biodiversity in general. Yeah. That's definitely not them. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why two of like the sort of big concerns. So air pollution is is one of those. And that's by industry, by travel, by um, just densely populated areas. Um, and I think the concern is that this, this is great now, but as soon as we talk back, uh, return back to that sort of inverted commas, sort of normal state, are we just mm-hmm. going to go back to the way things were? And secondly, is there is the concept of coronavirus, of these viruses that are spread from animals to humans, um, so zoonotic diseases, as they're called, are kind of like that word, even though it's, it kind of means not something not very nice. I love it that you said it. Yeah, <laughs> particularly because, you know, it's kind of, again, is it human's desire to sort of eat animals, more exotic animals, and also kind of encroaching on very fragile, like, ecological areas. So, you know, more forestation, more farming, and yeah, maybe the, the exotic animal trade isn't quite the same in the UK as it is in other countries like China. But I think it just shows that, you know, these these human elements on nature have been the thing to cause that. Well, yeah, cause this global pandemic. Absolutely. There's so many parallels, isn't there? There's so many connections. Yeah. I keep thinking about the in our previous episode when we were talking about uncertainties relating to the climate and how that can get sort of manipulated into why you shouldn't believe in climate change and um, the climate emergency and actually this you know this pandemic has really shown maybe hopefully educated people a bit more about the uncertainties that there are in science relating to the body and how that information like over time through research you develop more Mm -hmm. information you get more ideas you have hypotheses you have testing etc and then to put that on the scale of what's happening to the planet has so many factors so many variables like hopefully people understand uncertainty maybe hopefully i don't know and i think some of the descriptions or the analogies uh you talked through in our last podcast about trying to describe you know we talked about tempering chocolate about kind of you know body temperature and when you've got a fever and how the impact your body temperature rising two degrees can have which is similar to try and contextualize what the warming of the planet means yeah so i think it very much does come down to that yeah how can we make the planet and what's happening to the planet mean something for us now not to kind of future generations yeah exactly exactly do you think that it's going to lead to change what do you think oh i don't know so i'm really hopeful i think that there's certain things in the industry i work in in the health sector 
So like, for example, outpatient transformation has been on the agenda for years. You know, if you think about how many millions of journeys and hospital appointments take place every year, and it's really hard when you're running a health system and you've got all those patients on your waiting list, you've got people waiting for their appointments. I guess to stop that, you can't really stop it when you've got like a nationalised service. It's not within your control to say, okay, we're just going to stop and completely reform. Whereas actually what COVID has done is probably cut a huge percentage. No, it has. It's cut a massive percentage of outpatient appointments. And even specialist services now are delivering care virtually, you know, using video, using telephone. I feel really strongly that this should be included as like the standard offer of care going forward. Yeah. Yeah. If they don't do it now, I mean, what opportunity are they going to get? And and obviously there's any previous scepticism of, is this possible? It's been proven now that it can happen. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So thinking, yeah, about footfall of using transport, tra- public transport, personal transport of kind of the building sizes that you need, you know, you keep growing and growing as you get aging yeah. populations with growing comorbidities, you just need more space to put all those people. And and that's got a bit of a caveat that you've got to make sure that actually, by implementing these more virtual telemedicine offers that you don't then alienate people or that you don't, there's not an imbalance of the quality of care that's given. So that's really Absolutely. tricky. But um, just from personal, professional experience, I would say that COVID's definitely been a catalyst for change in outpatients and um, outpatient services. And I think that will have a massive impact um, on the environment. I think like five million journeys or something like that in London alone, are, you know, are used just to go to hospital every year. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't have ever done that. Yeah. My figures not, might not be quite right, but um, it's it's a lot. It's in the millions. Yeah. I wouldn't have ever made, done that math to work that out. I hope that there is going to be a real movement and a culture shift towards a slower pace of life because I think yeah. people have really benefited from having the time to exercise mm-hmm. and the things they've always wanted to do and not feel the pressure of commuting. Like no one legitimately no. enjoys this, do they? Like... There's so many companies now talking about, well, actually, we figured working from home on a mass scale wasn't something that was possible, but look what we've achieved, you know. Exactly. Um, I've had a really good experience working from home. Really good. I've had really good contact with my team. Yeah, some things have been harder, not having the ability, if I wanted to, to go and meet with people. But generally, it's been a really positive experience. I have to agree. Yeah, definitely. And can you imagine if like huge organisations or huge companies took the decision to say, right, that's it now, you know, X percentage of our workforce are going to work from the home 50% of your week or even 30% of the week. That would be a huge amount of people not travelling. Also, you know, then for those individuals, like you said, maybe slower pace of life, better work balance, but also reduced costs in, yeah. in travel. Yeah, and less building costs and less lighting. And they're saying, obviously, that there's just so much energy not getting used because these buildings aren't open that they're actually worried about the the national grid like because they don't want... It can be bad to have too much um, energy. They're not prepared for this situation, yeah. I think it's really... It's going to be really interesting. I do love from like a point of view of someone who's thrifty that there's sort of reports that people are being less wasteful. Like, obviously, that I'm sure that that's not the case everywhere. But the idea that people aren't being able to mass consume, people are using up what they have. That's really positive and using skills that they haven't had the time to use. I don't know. There's some real positives here that I hope that we take away with us. And, and retain this feeling and this perspective that yeah. we couldn't possibly have really gained any other way than this shock to the system. No, I agree. And it's just thinking, I guess, you can. I think you can do some of this on a personal level, for sure. 
and then see some return on investments and your quality of life so that it's worth it. But it's then, I guess, yeah, I wondered if you'd had any thoughts in terms of, I guess, the systemic change then and how, yeah, how that can be influenced, you know, so that industry just doesn't return to the previous status quo. I don't think that people will let them. But I also think that any argument that it's too big a change and it's not possible just really can't sit anymore. It can't work because mass change, real huge systemic change has happened. So you can't argue that it's not possible anymore. And I think this really will make people think about, well, my health and the health of the planet are interlinked. I hope so. I really hope so. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's, it's that thing of can the response in recovery be coordinated because I think part of the challenges around managing the pandemic on a maybe more of a health-wise, economically-wise, is countries not all working together. Yeah. And there's been some good examples of them working together, but also lots of examples where, you know, it's actual, actually competition. That is so true. I hadn't thought of that. And it's just how do you, yeah, how do you do, if we buy our oil, for example, and the demand for oil at the moment is right down, you know, you can see petrol and diesel prices are like, solo because nobody's buying it but then how after this when people start making those journeys again how can you think more about saying okay let's maybe invest more in renewable energy resources for example Mm. so it's yeah it's how can we do a coordinated response on that and that's why i worry a little bit just you know you've got the trumps of the world that have a very very clear idea of what they want to achieve and it's not about the environment no i hope that really the the those individuals it really starts to unfold for them now because it's not sustainable and it's look at what's happening. Like, yeah, I just hope that actually this is a wake up call from that perspective. And and you're right, it needs an international coordinated response. And if it's not happening, I hate that there's sort of been an idea that, oh, we haven't followed suit of what some countries Mm -hmm. have done to reduce, to to deal with the pandemic because it's almost like a superiority complex. Well, we know better and actually there's you know we can learn a lot from one another so maybe there needs to be like it'd be lovely if there was an international review of what happened and what we could all learn yeah, as a globe absolutely from this and then put that into practice and actually doing some um comparisons i guess of of places that have you know similar the similarly developed similar population sizes or where there are differences i think there's probably where you'd say oh we're completely different actually a, an analogy from what one of my colleagues was that you know a lot of the places wanting something different or needing something different because their populations are different or their economy is different quite often that's like the basics and basic ingredients of what people need are quite similar but um if you were to like bake a cake for example but it's then the decorative icing which needs to be slightly different i think yeah it'd be mm. interesting to see how they can compare mm-hmm. contrast yeah definitely Ch- yeah you're right actually that change of perspective yeah i love that analogy with the cake so mac what are your take-home messages or thoughts for action for earth day 2020 I guess I've got two and they're pretty straightforward. It's not going to be a specifics that I think people should be doing, but I guess we can all take away from this that radical change is possible. So we should challenge ourselves to consider what that could be in our individual lives, in our workplaces. And I guess also while we've got this opportunity to take stock and reflect, it's a really good time to do that on, on how we live our lives, our own health and the health of the planet. What can we do to be making a difference and really step back from everything while we've got this opportunity and maybe take the opportunity to learn and research more about the planet and inform ourselves. That sounds really good. For me, the working from home thing is something that I feel like I could have a direct impact on. So personal action. 
I'd really like after this, if I if I'm able to, to request to work at least two days from home, which is a, a big thing for me because I said I'm a very social person. I like going into the office, but I think that it's worth it. It means I will travel less. I will have less footfall sort of in the centre of London and it means that I'll have maybe more work-life balance and I will have more money in my pocket because I won't be paying the train company so much money. And I also feel like I can maybe use my stance to maybe at least influence others in my organisation or maybe at maybe a slightly higher level. I don't know how much push and pull I'd have, but I feel like my organisation would, would hopefully take steps towards being a more like flexible working organisation after this. Definitely. I agree about the learning. Uh, I myself am doing a, a course um, on edX at the moment that's sort of the um, human health factors of climate change um, and trying to kind of help educate me um, on a personal level, but also maybe to help think about that in the context of the COVID recovery in my professional setting. So whether that's thinking about how we deliver care to people and also thinking about the climate change impact as well. That's great that you're doing that. That is so you. <laughs> Just fingers in all pies. That's all I'm saying. Keen bean. Okay, well, I've really enjoyed this, having a, a chat and actually um, socialising with you <laughs> via podcasting, social distancing style. We are winning at technology. Mm-hmm. It was shocking for me. Uh, we wish everyone safety and good health. Uh, follow the rules. Social distance, two metres, wash your hands. Stay home, save lives. Yeah, absolutely. And take care, guys. <laughs>